Hey, this is Steve Campbell from the C3 Church. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Our prayer for you is that you'll be blessed, equipped, and enabled as you listen to this message. God bless you. Thank you for joining with us. It's so great to have you here watching. My name is Elspeth. I'm a full-time counselling psychologist, but my background is in New Testament theology specifically. So today's topic on mental health as part of our well-being series is right up my alley. Why? Because we're looking at God and we're looking at people. Now, as I said, mental health, many things might be going through your minds already. You might think, look, I've got screen fatigue. There's no way I can pay attention for another 25 minutes looking at the screen. Can I encourage you? Close your eyes and listen because you don't want to be missing out on what I have to share with you today. Hopefully there's something in here for everyone. So what do we mean about mental health? What does that mean? It's the buzzword at the moment, mental health. We all have it. It's a bit like a balancing scale. On a good day, when we've got good mental health, really it means that we cope with the stresses, the griefs, the natural kind of emotions we feel in the everyday life. Pastor Steve spoke really well about emotional health the other day. These things can have an impact on your physical health, as John Wilson shared with us also the other day. But sometimes in life, the balance tips and we get poor mental health. What that means is stuff seems to overwhelm us. Suddenly the thoughts that we have in our minds are a bit darker or we feel hyper aroused and we feel very anxious and panicky about stuff. And sometimes at its most worst, we feel that darkness is around us. We feel cut off from reality. We can feel quite numb. And suddenly we don't cope with life the way that we want to. Suddenly work is interrupted and that feels kind of a bit off balance. Sometimes social life feels out of kilter. And also your spiritual life can have be impacted too. Things like praying can suddenly seem really hard because it's so hard to concentrate and focus or to feel something outside of yourself. So why is this important to talk about? Statistically, if you've never experienced poor mental health, you probably know somebody that has. One in four people in the UK, wherever you're listening, is probably a similar statistic, but one in four people every year will be diagnosed with a poor mental health problem. One in 14 people across their lifetime will probably self-harm because of poor mental health. One in five people, really shockingly, will want to kill themselves because of the distress that they experience throughout their lifetime. Now, you might think the realm of therapy and talking about emotions and all of that is for the ladies. Men, you are three times more likely to take your life than your female counterparts. It's pretty shocking, isn't it? You know, even inside the church in 2018, the Church of England did a study and they said that mental health was the biggest social issue facing modern congregations, with 23% of church leaders, vicars, pastors, experiencing their own poor mental health. So why is it important for us to be talking about well-being and today especially about mental health? Because God cares so passionately about you and your mental health. See, God isn't just after your obedience or your spiritual behaviors and spiritual practices and your morality. God is so interested in your body, soul, spirit, how your mind's doing, where your head's at, where your heart's at. See, Christianity is so different from all other world religions in this. We believe in a God who comes into suffering, who experiences distress and pain and sorrow and grief, who shoulders the burden of that and walks with us through it. And one day we believe that God is going to defeat suffering. He's going to defeat um, mental distress and pain and tears. 
So the Bible, then, that God has given us is not just about, you know, waving a magic wand and come to Jesus and all your problems will be answered. No, no, the, the Bible helps us navigate some of the distress and the suffering that we might experience. So if you're still with me, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4 and we're going to look at verses 6 to 8. Here we go. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, that's easier said than done, isn't it? Now, anxiety, a a broad definition, is an overestimation of threat and an underestimation of your ability to cope with that threat. So it might be then during COVID, I think it's been between an 11 and 19% rise of people experiencing severe levels of anxiety because on the outside, there's threat. COVID. And suddenly we're caused to question, how am I going to cope with job loss? How am I going to cope if I lose a loved one? How am I going to get through this? How am I going to go and do shopping? How can I talk to loved ones? Anxiety. The Bible says, do not be anxious about anything. (sighs) Easier said than done. So how does the Bible suggest then that we're supposed to navigate these feelings of anxiety? It says this, But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, friends, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever is excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So here we've got two top tips then that the Bible offers us to help us battle and navigate with anxiety. Now, if you've noticed, it's both active and passive. If we are in Christ Jesus, which we'll explore, We are recipients of his peace that surpasses the situation around us. So that's both passive. We're recipients of God's peace. But it's also active because, friends, we've got to partner with God in that. And we're going to unpack what that looks like. The first one, don't believe everything you think. Behind any kind of mental distress like anxiety or depression or eating disorders are thought patterns, what we think about something. Now, if we believe the thoughts that we have, we're going to act and behave based on them. We're going to feel certain things around that. So an example would be, I am alone and I can't cope with this situation. That's a belief. If you believe that you're alone and you're not going to be able to cope, suddenly you're going to feel a bit anxious and stressed and then you might behave accordingly. Another one then, it also works for things if you're not experiencing mental distress. It could just simply be, I am very, very stressed right now maybe because actually I've got a lot of stuff riding on me and I need to execute all of them very, very excellently. So that belief and the belief that things are resting on your shoulders causes some pressure, responsibility and to see how you're going to cope with it. So you see how thoughts and belief in them affects your behaviour and your emotions. Now, if we were to take that to an extreme, we have what are called intrusive thoughts. Now, the majority of people, in fact, everyone I've ever met, and most people you probably know, experience intrusive thoughts. That means that you can be thinking about something totally different and a thought pops into your head and you're left thinking, where on earth did that come from? And quite often they can be quite disturbing thoughts. So an example would be, me on the London Underground, I'm there on the platform, and as I'm walking along with my big rucksack, I think, oh my goodness, if I swung it round, the person might fly off into the, uh, you know, the train tracks, and that thought disturbs me. Sometimes if I believe that I've, if, you know, that there's a possibility, I might close my eyes, take a step back and act a bit scared, the thought disturbs me. 
Now, the majority of unwanted or intrusive thoughts usually are about violent images or violent thoughts or unwanted sexual images. Now, these thoughts can freak us out and we can have thoughts about the thoughts and we can suddenly think, I'm going crazy, I'm losing my mind, I'm a really horrible person, and we can, that just increases our anxiety and stress. The Bible, friends, is not surprised by that. What do I mean? The Bible in Ecclesiastes says your mind is evil and restless. In Leviticus and Isaiah, it says your mind is rash and deluded. Two Kings says we've got troubled minds. One Timothy says a depraved mind. Two Timothy says we've got corrupt minds. Romans says we've got sinful minds. Two Corinthians says we've got minds that are blinded. You get the picture. The point is this. Outside of Christ, our minds are corrupted. We have thoughts that we don't want to think. That's why we can't always believe the thoughts that go through our minds. So what does Philippians tell us to do about this? It says that your hearts and your minds will be guarded in Christ. What does it mean then to be in Christ Jesus? Friends, it means that if you've decided to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, that your mind then belongs and the way that you exist belongs in Christ. We have the same mind as Christ has. That means then that when we think, when the thought comes to us, I'm alone and I'm just not going to be able to cope with this situation because I'm alone. Actually, that might feel true, but the reality is if you are in Christ, Christ says, I am never going to leave you or forsake you. Now, you might say to me, oh, but Elspeth, it's one thing to align your thinking with being in Christ, but it is true that I am a bit of a failure because I have made loads of mistakes in my past and I'm now dealing with the consequences of them. That is true. See, the reality is, though, friends, that in Christ, Christ, Jesus, has made peace with your past. That means that he has forgiven it, he's washed it clean, he's washed it away. And sometimes there's a bit of catch-up to play, that our thoughts need to come into alignment to the reality that we have in Jesus, that actually my past is forgiven, I'm not based on the mistakes that I've made. Now, you might also think, but Elspeth, I didn't get the A-level results I wanted. I'm not going to university. My future is hopeless because the doors aren't going to open to me anymore. Now, they may feel true, but friends, if you are in Christ, the truth is that God has plans to prosper you. In fact, in the Bible, there's loads of stories. Joseph, who's in a prison cell, God opens doors for him in the palace. Daniel, who's taken into captivity in a foreign country, God opens doors for him. So friends, it's not about denying the thoughts that we have, the things that go through our mind. It's about taking a step back, saying, why am I thinking this? Taking kind of ownership of that, why am I thinking this way? And then aligning it to the truth then that we have in Christ. How do we do that? The second point is this from Philippians. Think on these things. What are these things? Whatever is true, whatever is honourable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, anything, the Bible says, anything that is worthy of praise, we are to give our attention to. So really what's going on is to help us have a mind that is guarded and protected in Christ and to align that way, it's about shifting our focus, to think on these things over here. You know, when I first met my husband Joshua, he was a runner, he still is a very good runner, and I thought, right, the best way that I'm going to impress this guy is if I can go for a run with him. So I was there, I put my trainers on, they were basically Converse, it's not running shoes, 
as if that really made much of a difference. But we're, we're running the first mile. I feel absolutely dreadful and I throw up in a bush. But it's not just any bush I throw up into. I'm sick in his pastor's bush. And um, I don't know if that impressed Josh, but we're still together today. We got married and we still go running together. And recently we did the Cambridge Half Marathon. Now, when uh, we were running this, I'm in mile 10 and I look up and when I'm there, I see this man walking at the same speed that I'm running. And suddenly my head goes to some very weird places. Suddenly my thoughts come to me and they say things like, you look absolutely stupid, Ellsworth. What on earth are you doing? Why are you wearing this lycra? Oh my goodness, you look like an idiot. You're sweaty, here you go. In fact, you're not even running. Look, he's walking, walking faster than you are. You're letting Josh down, you're letting yourself down, you're letting everyone down. And I start kind of crying and Josh is looking at me like, what is going on for her? The point is, when you are under pressure, I wonder when the tough gets going, if you feel like your thoughts wage war with you. Quite often when things are uncertain, so maybe in job loss or furlough scheme, or things are up in the air, or maybe you're sleep deprived, when things get going, sometimes your thoughts can wage war with you. How in those moments then do you shift your attention to think on these things? Practically, I'd call it the rule of opposites. What this means then is on the days that you feel like blur and you just want to shut off from the world, you want to stay in bed, and that goes on and on and for a couple of days and you just feel like you've got no motivation to do anything, the rule of opposites says actually if you can get up and if you can shower for five minutes and then if after that you can maybe put your clothes on and then after that if you can call someone or contact somebody to talk to them you're doing the opposites and it helps you shift your focus and think about these things the same is true in church sometimes if i feel like i'm holding on to something and not giving god's control of something in my life because i like control if I'm not giving that over to God, sometimes I'll get on all fours and I'll bow before him, not because I feel it or because I think it's a cool thing to do. No, it's, it's physically engaging my body to engage my mind, to focus on God and me giving something over to him. And the same is true in worship sometimes. If um, before COVID you saw me jumping around in church and I look like a cheese string because I'm tall and my arms are flailing everywhere, it's not just because I love the music and it's got a great crescendo that I'm engaging my body, no, no. It's more than that. Sometimes I do that because I don't feel like rejoicing. I don't feel like I can focus. I, I can't kind of engage my mind, so I'll engage my body, the rule of opposites. I do something to engage my mind, to shift my focus, to align myself with the reality of being in Christ. Philippians then suggests a really great idea, thanksgiving. Now, thankfulness is great whether or not you are a Christian because it increases your attention to the good things in your life. It's a bit like positive thinking. But friends, if you are in Christ, whether your world is falling apart or you are falling apart, God is always worthy of praise. That's the reality, even when we don't feel like it. The truth is God is always worthy of praise. In a great book here, this is by Bill Johnson called Strengthen Yourself in the Lord, he writes this. When we fail to sustain the response of thanksgiving for everything in our lives, our thinking is cut off from the purposes of God and we lose sight of our purpose. Then we will inevitably make choices that are outside of God's intentions for our lives. The point he makes is this, friends. 
that in thankfulness we we are reminded of the goodness of God, the purpose and the plans he has for us, the bigger truth that we can exist in, even when the situation around us seems dire. That is why the peace that protects our hearts in Christ surpasses all understanding. See, God's praise isn't dependent on your situation. The second aspect then of coming into Christ, aligning ourselves with his truth, shifting our attention onto him, thanking God for all these things, is that quite often in life when we're feeling stressed or distressed, is that we overthink the situation and we underthink God. What I would really encourage you to do is this, that when you're maybe watching a trigger, something that triggers your anxiety or a plummet in your mood, maybe the 10 o'clock news, and everything you're watching and the situation is dire and about death and decay and destruction, and it can feel overwhelming, is actually to take yourself away from that. Not to then go on TikTok and cut, you know, pure escapism, but to actually turn to Jesus, to think about who he is, about his goodness, his plans for your life, the fact that he's present with you in suffering. And then your hearts and your minds will be guarded as you then engage in whatever it is, the 10 o'clock news. Bill Johnson puts it like this. I have purpose to try to live in such a way that nothing ever gets bigger than my consciousness of God's presence. Friends, where's your mind at? Philippians tells us one last thing then to help us be aware of God's presence. And it's this prayer. Now, prayer isn't just a dump and run. It's not just a, oh, God, I'm really stressed about my exams. Just, you know, help me with it. Prayer is about a conversation with God. It's about opening up, being vulnerable with him, telling him what you're thinking, how you're feeling, asking him to align himself with you, that you would be in sync together. In fact, because of that, I think that is why God is called Wonderful Counselor, Comforter, Prince of Peace. Why? because his counsel and his comfort and his peace is wonderful. I watched a great film recently with Tom Hanks in it, and um, in it he plays a guy called Fred Rogers, who's an American children's TV presenter. And in it, he uses this line, he says, to mention it is to manage it. To mention it is to manage it. Now, coming and clocking in with God and telling him about stuff and aligning yourself, shifting your focus onto him, is more then than just mentioning it and expecting God's peace to come, but also there's a process involved. When we pray, we talk about things. And in that process, God enables us to manage us, to sustain us. Now, the final point then that I want to close with is this. We're going to deviate a little bit from Philippians because I'm aware that some of you watching will say, Elspeth, I know God loves me. I know he's with me. I've given myself over to Jesus, I follow him, I love him, but part of me just doesn't care because I feel so numb and cut off from how I'm feeling. For some of you, you feel, even as I'm speaking now, that darkness has been surrounding you for a while, that there's a heaviness on your heart. And I just feel like God would want to say something specifically to you in this moment, and it's this, that the Bible is full of people who knew sorrow and grief and depression and anxiety some of them became suicidal. And I just want to share some of their stories with you so that God can encounter you where you're at. The first one is this, Job. He was made redundant. He'd lost his business. In fact, along with that, he basically lost his livelihood. And in that context, it meant he was thinking, how on earth am I going to provide for tomorrow? Am I even going to have food? More than that, he loses his family. Some family die. 
And then the friends that surround him aren't very helpful. They try to give him wisdom, but they don't really kind of get it. And he feels so incredibly alone. Listen to what he says. That God would be willing to crush me, to let loose his hand and cut off my life. What about this one, King David? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? Every day, on and on, he feels this for a while. And what about Jesus? The night that he's betrayed in the garden before being crucified, his friend comes and betrays him and he says this, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. And Isaiah, a man who saw what Jesus would be like hundreds of years before, he says, Jesus is gonna be a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. Isn't that incredible that actually Jesus would be characterized and defined by the grief and the sorrow that he would experience? And I'm going to end with one final story that comes from the book of 2 Kings, chapter 19. And it's about a man who passionately loves God. In fact, in that context, he was one of the few people to actually hear God for himself. He had such a close relationship. In fact, just before this story, we read that this man has seen fire fall from heaven. He's seen the miraculous happen. And because of that, some people are after him. They want to take his life. So let's see what happens in the story. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. He came to Judah. He left his servant there. He went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a bush, sat down, and prayed that he might die. I haven't, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. Then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And then what happened? All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up, eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and he went to sleep again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled on till he reached the mountain of God. See, God is so much more patient and compassionate than we could ever know. Here's Elijah, he's a man who loves God passionately, but he's had enough. He's suicidal, he's there under the bush wanting to die, asking God to take his life because he's had enough. And what does God do? Does God come to him and say, we need to talk about the sanctity of life here. Don't you know that you were knitted together in your mother's womb? No, he doesn't do that. See, while these things are true, how does God come to him? He comes to him in love and compassion. He looks after him. He gives him food and, his, and drink. He recognizes what's going on for him. He says, look, the journey ahead is going to be too much for you, so I'm going to look after you. Let's read then what happens in the story. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for God is going to pass by. Right, we're going to see God move. Here we go. God is going to intervene in the situation. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. See, elsewhere in the Bible, when God turns up and turns a situation around, he speaks through thunder, he parts seas, he shakes mountains. But in this situation with Elijah, who's distressed, God speaks to him in a gentle whisper. Two reasons why. The first one is this. Just because things don't look like they're changing doesn't mean that God is not speaking and on the move. The second point is this. God whispers a gentle whisper because he's so close to Elijah in that moment. 
See, God doesn't need to shout and shake things up. God needs to come in a gentle whisper. And I just want to speak to you if you feel that that is something that you've been experiencing recently, that depth of despair, or you know somebody that has. I'm just going to pray quickly for you before I pray for two other groups of people. And I'm going to pray this. Father, that even right now that the people watching, and this resonates with them, that they'd have a sense of your spirit beside them, that they'd have a sense of you looking after them to keep them alive for the next hour, and the next hour after that, and the next hour after that, and the next hour after that, that they would know you strengthening them, equipping them, helping them navigate this season. Father, I pray that you would come like a light in that darkness today in your name, Jesus. And friends, I said at the beginning that, hey, if you feel so stressed out with a huge to-do list and everything going on, that you might find something useful in this. Now, you might never have experienced mental distress, mental ill health, but hopefully something I've said today will resonate with you to help you encourage those in your life that maybe do. But I'm going to pray for you now as well that God would continue to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. So, Father, I pray for my family and my friends. God, I pray that you would cover their hearts, that they would um, feel so protected in you, that no matter what life throws at them, that they would be so aligned with you, Christ Jesus, that they would be so aligned with the peace that surpasses whatever life throws. In your name I pray, amen. And finally, if you've been watching this, if maybe a friend sent it to you and you're not a Christian, you can say that I've never felt like I was in Christ. I never really knew what this was about. We're going to give you a moment, um, in a moment's time, a chance to make your peace with God, to come into Christ. And I want to encourage you that whatever you feel, Whatever thoughts you have that are going through your mind, coming to Jesus is the best decision. He, doesn't, he won't promise to make your life easy peasy in a bag of roses, but he promises to give you a peace, not as the world promises you, but a peace that will pass and surpass anything that life throws at you. That he will make peace with you and make peace in your life in a way that looks so different than you've ever experienced before. That he will give you hope, that Jesus will give you meaning, that Jesus will give you purpose. And this would be the best decision you could ever make. Thanks for watching. It's really great to have you here. All the best. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We pray it's been a blessing to you. Why not share it with your friends and family through social media? If you're not on the regular podcast list, then why don't you subscribe? Thank you especially to those that give. If you want to give to this ministry, you can go to our website, thec3.uk slash giving and get involved. God bless you.